Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Amber Furman, and this is episode 42 of the More Than Corporate podcast. This week, I have an interview with Amy Carlson. Amy and I met doing the podcast seminar weekend with Travis Chapel. She launched her podcast, Talks in Terminator, just before I launched mine. And we really formed a friendship over um, the podcasting side of things. But she has such an amazing story that I'm super excited for her to share. And I really enjoyed this interview. So a little bit about Amy. Um, she's gone from a successful franchise owner to a professional network marketer and a podcast host. She's able to share a unique perspective and show an outward appearances are not all that they seem to be. Amy was the only 100% woman-owned franchise of over 2,200 service centers nationwide in her industry. She's been awarded Operators of the Year and several customer service awards and has taken a five-person team to win the first ever national championship. Amy's company has also been recognized with the Arlene Carlson Heart and Soul Award for their contributions in their community. As a network marketing professional, Amy has reached the top 1% in her industry. She leads a team of nearly 300 people helping to transform lives. She's created and produced an annual event for her team for the last four years, and she she works with other leaders in creating and promoting quarterly educational events. Amy has attended numerous workshops and seminars for network marketing professionals to further her skills and development and recently launched a podcast called The Toxin Terminator. The Toxin Terminator gives a voice to the stories of people who are overcoming chronic disease by removing toxins from their body. Amy Carlson is a wife, mother of three grown sons, and grandmother to 12. She lives in Iowa during the summer months and winter in Arizona. She loves to be outdoors, and you can find her participating in activities like hiking, kayaking, boating, biking, and reading while relaxing on the water. She and her husband love to travel and experience the beautiful outdoors, enjoying God's creations. During our interview, Amy and I really dug deep into what it was like for her being a leader in a time where she was the only one of the only females. She was also the boss's daughter and what type of hurdles she had to overcome to gain respect in that industry, um, in the car industry as a female and having an in and being the boss's daughter. We also talked about how those skills that she learned has led into the network marketing world and her podcast and the importance of human connection and interaction when you're running any business. I really enjoyed my conversation with Amy and I'm super, super excited to get into it. Before we do that, I wanted to take a minute and ask you if you have not already gone over to iTunes and left a rating and review, I would appreciate it greatly if you could take just a couple of seconds to do that. I'm really interested in your feedback. I want to know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. It helps me bring better content to you that's valuable and that helps you in what you're looking to hear. Um, also, it does help with Apple's algorithm, so it allows me to reach more people and impact more lives. So I would greatly appreciate you taking just a couple minutes out of your day to head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Thank you in advance for taking the time to do that. And without further ado, let's get into Amy's interview. 
Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you bet. I am just grateful to be here and honored to be included with your podcast. Thanks, Amber. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you here. We connected, for those of you who don't know, Amy and I connected at um, Travis Chapel's podcasting weekend. And Amy has an amazing podcast of her own that I'm going to let her tell you guys all about called The Toxic Toxic Terminator. Um, she also is she has a background in a franchise ownership, professional network marketing. Um, she's got a family. She's kind of superwoman. So I'm super excited for her to talk about all the amazing things she's done in her life. Ah, thank you. I You're feel. welcome. What I'd like to do is kind of just start, because I know that you have all these different avenues that you've taken, and I'm always interested to figure out whether this was the path you thought your life would take. What was it like for you growing up, and where did you expect to be when you were like in high school? Um, oh, that's a great question, Amber, because no, life is so not what I expected it to be. Um, you know, in high school, you know, I was expected to take the normal path. I go off to college. I knew I actually wanted to be an accountant, um, was what I desired to be. So I was going to go to college, live out the college life, um, get an accounting degree, become a CPA, work in a big office and firm, maybe move somewhere like, I don't know, I grew up in a little itty bitty town in Midwest, Iowa. Um, you know, I'm like, oh, Chicago, maybe New York. I mean, just go move to a big, big town. Yeah. Life did not turn out that way. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel your, um, your small town desire to get into a bigger city. Um, but I'm interested to know, cause I grew up in a super small town and I think the, the one common denominator between everybody who grew up in a small town is we have to play the, was my small town smaller than your small town game. So <laughs> I grew up in a town of 1200 people and oh. It was ding, 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 you win. <laughs> um, but the reason I bring that up is because as much as I dreamed about getting into a different environment, when I look back now, I am so glad I had the upbringing that I had. And I wanted to know what your opinion on that was. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. I, I, you know, I raised my family in the Midwest. I wouldn't go anywhere else to raise a family. Um, living in a small town, you know, when I grew up and I'm much older than you are, I walked to school every day and we literally did walk over a mile and a half to go to school back and forth every day. There was no fear. We could do that. We had a corner store grocery store and, you know, I could go with a quarter and get a whole brown bag full of candy. Um, I, that was we would take our dolls and put them in their little carriages and take them down to the, the corner store. It was called beer shanks. <laughs> and it just, they, they had, um, it was a little grocery store. Plus they had a butcher shop, you know, so it was everything that you could want in just a little, you know, deal. It just, it was a good experience. It, I was in a big enough town that you had kind of the city and the suburbs. You knew everybody, but you didn't know every everybody like little little towns you know so not everybody knew everybody's business but it was close it just was it was a good time growing up it really was yeah i um i definitely share this sentiment i i go back now i'm actually considering going back for thanksgiving um my mom doesn't know that but this will post after thanksgiving so it's no spoil alert but i go back and and i know i could never live in that environment again mm -hmm. 
but I'm so glad I had it growing up. I think the lessons that we learn growing up in a small town are, are just amazing with not having all of the materialistic things that are available at the fingertips everywhere. You know, I grew up outside in the mud. I grew up mm-hmm. in all those things. And I think that that's so valuable. And I, I talk about that because you have accomplished so much now in your career that I'm interested to know how many of the personality traits that got you to where you are now, you attribute to what it was like growing up in a small town. You know, probably a lot of them because we learned about imagination. We learned about creativity. We learned about, you know, you talk about not being, you know, with materialistic things. I, you know, I grew up poor. You know, our family was poor. We had our own garden. I, the only store-bought things that we had were socks and underwear. That was it. Everything else was made for us. But we learned to get along. And what's interesting is I grew up with all boys. I had a younger sister, but she was significantly younger than me. So my friend circle was all boys that I grew up with. Yet I'm still a girly girl. (laughs) But it was all boys. I played with the boys. Like we would go one summer, we spent the entire, I say it was a forest, but now going back, it's not. But it was behind these houses was a wooded area. And we spent the entire summer digging these holes in the ground. And we created tunnels in between the holes. And we brought wood up there and covered it. We had this whole army and fort thing going. I mean, that I grew up riding bikes, playing in, in the woods, um, playing army. <laughs> yeah. No one- worked on cars. Right. So I know you said that you had this dream of being an accountant. You obviously ended up in the auto industry. And I know that your dad had um, that position previously, right? Did you take over the franchise for your dad? Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Dad, dad started it back in 1978. And then I came, I finished um, two years of high school or uh, college, high school, <laughs> two years of college, um, went to work for a marketing company. And then I came to work for him with the, okay, you didn't complete college, but come to work for me. You can learn the business and then we'll have you go study under our accountant. And then you can take over the bookkeeping and he'll just become an auditor. Um, well, that didn't manifest either. <laughs> That's interesting. So even after you decided that college wasn't the route that you wanted to be going and you dropped out of college, when you went into to work for your dad, it, you were still on the accounting route. And- oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was still there. Um, and I didn't, um, I, I, I need to be in full disclosure. I, I quit college because I had a child. Um, you know, I had my son and it was like, I need to work. I I have to put, you know, a roof over our heads and, you know, food on the table. And, and, and so it was a a matter of what we needed to do to, to get us by. Um, Interesting. So at what point in time did the realization or the, the trajectory change where you said, okay, accounting's not in my future. Instead, I'm going to take this role in the actual franchise. I worked for my dad for probably three years at the store in the, in Councilless, Iowa. That's where I grew up. And when he decided I needed to move to Des Moines because we had multiple locations up in Des Moines and he wanted me to move up there. And it was when I made that move. So that was in the late eighties that I knew 
this is it. This is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. And, and I was managing, you know, I moved up there to manage the store, plus become more of a family eyes on the business up there and knew that, okay, I'm going to start taking a different role within the company. Was there any, did you have any issues with like this identity of this isn't the path my life is supposed to be taking, or was it just an easy transition for you? You know, I, if I had that, Amber, I don't recall because, you know, I just felt like you did what you did. You know, you, you just put one foot in front of the other and you, you just made things work. And I, I don't, I don't ever feel like I looked back and thought, what am I doing? I, I love that mentality, first of all, that you just put one foot in front of, your, of the other and it's going to work out the way mm-hmm. that it's supposed to work out. Um, so I think that that's super cool. Um, I'm wondering if you have an opinion on whether the fact that maybe accounting wasn't truly where your heart was had a part in the fact that you never really looked back. Uh, that could very well be, I, I would have probably been miserable as an accountant, uh, you know, I mean, looking at it because all the years I worked within the business, because I worked in the stores, whether it was one store or multiple stores all the way up until, oh my gosh, I want to say even in early 2000s, I was still physically working in the stores. And my, I lit up being with people. I loved coaching and training a team. I loved being able to bring people in and see them succeed and become successful at what they were doing. I loved, loved, loved interacting with the public. Um, you know, so an accountant, I would, would have been locked behind a door and had no interaction with people and well, I like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. I think that's why we're both podcasters, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to dig into, you have, this, you have this wide range of experience um, through multiple different areas in your franchise of training people and this leadership role. And I think that this is something that's super important to talk about. Can you explain the approach that you took to leadership and what your um, idea of training people and the purpose of that was? Sure. So the way I looked at leadership, number one, um, you need to understand that I was a female working in the automotive world in in the 1980s, into the 1990s and, and then beyond. So number one, when I became into, or when I went into a leadership role, it wasn't well received. Um, you know, uh, by employees or customers. Uh, it was, you know, what are you doing working on cars? You're a girl. You don't belong here type of thing. So I really went through a lot there. And what I learned, my big takeaway with that is that I can't change people's perceptions and thoughts and what they, they think. But what I can do is I can earn respect. When I can show you that I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm talking about, then you will trust me. And if I'm working right alongside you, you're going to trust me even more. I did not ask out of any of my employees to do anything that I wasn't willing to go out and do myself. So that was huge for me in getting that team to follow me. And then secondly was the, you know, the show do 
oh, I haven't done it for so long. There's a three-step process. I'm going to show you what to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stand there and watch you do what you're supposed to do. And then you're going to do it. So it was kind of a three-step process in training people. Plus we had all kinds of training that was provided being in the franchise business. So much about what you just said is super impactful. And I think the biggest thing is that most people today who take on a leadership role, take it on with the expectation that just because they are in a particular position that they deserve or demand or will receive respect. And, you know, the gender gap is still there, but not as big as what existed when you were in that role. And so to be in a position where you didn't have the opportunity to rest on the, this is my position, you'll respect me because of who I am. Can you talk about the, the principles that kind of ingrained in you to know that there wasn't any other way to lead, that no other, no other way was going to be successful? There was a lot going on in Amber it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just that I was a female in the automotive world, but I also was the owner's daughter, <laughs> you know, so I had a kind of a double whammy going there. So, you know, I learned through the hard way. Number one, you have to stand your ground. I learned that, you know, no matter what, I've got to learn to stand my ground. I've got to take a position and stand it right, wrong, or indifferent. And, and then learn. If it was wrong, learn from those mistakes. But I learned, you know, I learned the hard way, just like we all do, or most of us do anyway. People don't want to be told what to do. They want to be shown what to do. When I first went into management, Amber, I went through crews like crazy because I didn't know how to manage. I didn't know how to lead. I just wanted to shout out and tell you what to do. I didn't want to take the time to show you what to do. And so I learned the, the hard way. Um, but, but the biggest thing, again, is, and I, and I wasn't going to be, I always feel like, management leadership, you are working side by side with your people. And if you are not working side by side with them, you're not going to get them to give you everything that they've got. And I learned that early on too, that I can't just stand there with clipboard in hand and direct what you're supposed to do. I can't just shout out orders. Um, but it was a learning curve. It wasn't something that came innately to me. The other thing too, is I learned and I think, at least in my industry, every manager has to learn this and you can't teach it. You just can't. But here's the thing. You have to be willing to do it yourself. And, yes. here, and here's the thing is that I can't be held hostage by my employees. That's what I mean by be willing to do it yourself. I would much rather be doing things by myself and not deal with a poor attitude or someone who's going to conflict with me at every turn of the way. And so, you know, so many times when we go into a leadership role, we want to be their friend. We want to um, make sure that we're making them happy and we're not thinking about the business and what the business needs are. And, you know, that when you can flip that switch and, and know that, that life will be good as long as I put expectations out there, Everybody knows what the expectations are. Everybody knows that if you don't follow the expectations, this is what the result is going to be. Now we have a clear definition and it's the same with everybody. We stay consistent. Now we're in a good place. There's, there's so much. Um, there's so much about what you just said. And I, I think that mom, mom, I talk about this with people all the time. 
about from the employee aspect, because as much as what you just said is powerful from a leadership aspect, employees want to know what's expected of them. Absolutely. They don't want to be going in, you know, the good employees will work so hard for you trying to get you to tell them where you want them to go and where you want them to be. If you can't give them that direction, then eventually they get frustrated and that's where some of the friction comes in. Um, So on top of the fact that it's just easier and everybody gets what they're looking for out of a relationship, if you can lay those lines down. One of the hardest things for me that I still struggle with, and I I think that um, we all do as human nature, is the idea of what you just said about not being a friend. Because we want to be, like I'm a people person. I want Mm -hmm. people to like me, right? And so it's difficult to go into that leadership role and say, okay, like I'm not always going to be your friend. And I think it's really interesting that you ended up learning that through your your leadership process after multiple failures, because Uh that's what life's all about, right? It is. Well, the thing is, Amber, you can't, uh, number one, my circle of employees was not going to be my inner circle, right? Um, and I had an, uh, also a disadvantage because so many people make their friends through work. Well, I'm the boss, number one, and I'm the owner's daughter. I'm not going to be friends as much as I think I'm going to be their friend. I'm not going to be that. And so when you can learn to draw that line, there's a difference between having compassion and being an, an advocate for them and being um, sincere and having empathy with the people that you work with, you know, that work under you and being a friend. There's two different sides to that coin. So I absolutely cared about my employees and what they were doing in their lives and and what was going on with them. But, but, but beyond that, no, I, I, there, that the circle ended there at, at the, at the shop. So as far as mentors were concerned, um, I know that your dad was involved and he very well could have given you advice, but obviously any advice he gives you is coming from his perception of reality, which cannot possibly be the same as your perception being a female and being the daughter. So did you feel like you had anybody that was really giving you solid advice or did you feel like you were just learning through trial and error? Um... (laughs) I, I really felt like I was learning through trial and error. You know, um, dad never ran a store. Um, so I, I truly was learning through trial and error. Um, I had a brother uh, that we worked together. He operated stores as well. And, um, you know, he and I worked very, very close with each other and really could bounce a lot of things off. And I was I was very fortunate and lucky that... My brother, my dad, and I, the three of us working in this business, very much had the same business ideas. We had the same missions, values, and goals of what we wanted to have accomplished. Sometimes not necessarily the same way of getting there, but certainly the same values behind our business. We were very tight, the three of us. And and so I, I think a lot of it came from there. I went through a lot of Dale Carnegie courses early on. Um, really gained a lot of leadership skills, you know, through those classes. Don't put me on the spot and ask me what. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. I would never do that. Okay, next question. No. Years ago, but, you know, they, I remember them being very powerful. And then, you know, in the franchise world, one of the benefits of being there is there's so many 
opportunities to learn from the community. And so I watched other franchisees who were successful. I connected with them and we got into a, a, a practice of sharing best practices. You know, what's working for you? Okay, I'm, I'm going to implement that over here. And then when I owned the business, I hired a business coach. So we always had a coach that was working with both me and my administrative team, as well as, as the administrative team and the management team, you know, going out to the stores. So I, I felt like that was very, very important to have outside eyes looking at us. Interesting. Um, how I, I find as far as the business coach, you know, that's something that we talk about so much now, but mm -hmm. was not as popular back then. And so I find it really interesting and pretty impressive that you had the foresight to know that that, guide, that guidance was needed even when you were just starting out. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I always believe when we're looking at things, we're looking through jaded eyes. You know, we're looking at what we see, um, and, and it takes an outside view, an outsider looking at your organization, looking at how you're doing things in order to give you valuable feedback. You know as well as I do, when you can see what someone else is doing wrong, you can see, oh my gosh, if you just do this little thing, when you're in it, you don't see it. And so I always knew that that was really important to have. You know, it's so hard for us to get out of our own way. And it's so much easier to fix everybody else's problems. And then oh, we're yeah. like, why is my life falling apart? Because all my friends, they're getting the best advice in the world. So um, <laughs> one of the things that I see throughout your story is obviously you had this successful franchise and then you went into network marketing where you became successful and your family and all of it has these leadership principles. Um, would it be fair to say that the principles that you learned through running this franchise has led into the success in the other areas of your life? I think number one, the perseverance helps. And learning that no matter what, we're always going forward. You know, you're never sitting still. You're either going forward or you're falling backwards. End of story. You're never just kind of sitting still. So I think I learned through the world that I grew up in, you always put one foot in front of the other. I mean, I have had so much happen in life that you just don't have any other choice. You have to go forward. I want to say that getting into network marketing, I was just talking to somebody here earlier today. I had no idea the personal development that was available and I could go into until I got into network marketing and in the depths of really, really digging into what makes you tick and what drives you and what tapes are playing inside that head that you don't want playing inside that all that stuff didn't come about until network marketing so if 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 nobody gains anything else from network marketing other than the personal development i say get into network marketing so you can gain all the personal development there's so many skills from network marketing. I remember talking to somebody recently in a in another episode about the power of network marketing. And it gets a bad name because of the Pyramid Scheme Association to network marketing. But honestly, I see it as there's so many beneficial sides to it from both consumer and um, seller. Oh, absolutely. And I, I don't know that, you know, because Pyramid is... <sighs> what do you think an organization is? There's somebody at the top and you've got workers underneath you. It's, it's all the same. The way I look at it is um, 
I recommend a restaurant, I recommend a movie, I recommend, you know, X, Y, Z, but I don't get paid for it. Well, why not do network marketing where I'm getting paid for it? And, 100%. You know, um, the other thing is I think network marketing gets a bad name because of the people involved in network marketing that don't do the personal development, that don't do the mindset work, and that go out and bombard like, hey, Amber, I've got this great product for you, and you just need to have it, you know, without even knowing who you are or whether you would benefit from it. Um, I think that's another reason that it gets a bad name as well, as there's so many people doing it so wrong. But yeah, there's so I can agree with that. Other business is wrong too, I, it, you know. Yeah, I think it's just that um, there's more people doing um, network marketing wrong that impacts more individuals than there are business owners doing business wrong that impacts individuals, if that makes sense. Like, oh, yeah. you're not reaching out. To, I'm not reaching out to all of my friends saying, hey, friend from high school, you need an immigration attorney? Like, here I am. You know, but I remember trying to sell Shakeology, and I'm sure that everybody wanted to, like, block me because I was doing it all wrong because I was that person that didn't know what I was doing and hadn't found personal development yet. Well, and think about it. Um, when I got getting into my business, for instance, um, it, it's, you have to have a net worth of a lot of money and you have to put out a whole lot of money to get one going. So not everybody gets to open up a business, right? And you're talking about, just to be clear, you're talking about your actual franchise business yes, right now, not your network marketing, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Sorry. Yep. Good, good call on that. Yes. To, to open up a business, a brick and mortar business, you've got so much overhead and so much expense that you have to have, and then you need to have net worth because if it's not your franchise business, it's, it's the bank wanting to make sure, you know, all of that stuff. But, but network marketing, anybody can join. You know, there's, there's companies that you can start with as little as $50 and own your own business. And, yeah. and so every, everybody can do it. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Yeah. I want to step back for just a minute with something that you said, because I think it's really important to um, touch on. And that's the fact that you knew that you needed to put one foot in front of the other. Can you talk about the importance of action steps of like just action leading to motivation, leading to results? Sure. Oh gosh. It's such a good one. Um, cause I, I haven't always been this way in my life. There were times Amber where I would let fear and depression, anxiety, whatever you want to call it, emotion, absolutely immobilize me. And, and you would find me in bed for two days, you know, because I just could not function. I couldn't do what needed to be done. And the, the, but here's the thing, when you do that, it just leads to more dysfunction of the brain. It leads to more depression, more, because then it's that vicious cycle. Oh, I really need to be up doing things. I really, and I was fortunate at that area of my life where and it was the death of my brother that threw me into the throes of this. It was like, that was the thing that I didn't think I was going to be able to bounce back from. I really didn't. And I, and I struggled, you know, I, I did not want to put one foot in front of the other. It was like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Okay, I'm just going to lay here. But the thing is, is that inaction just makes things worse. Inaction, make, and, and it just, 
it builds upon the things, the thoughts that you're having in your mind. You have a thought in your mind, I'm worthless. Oh, I can't do this. And then you don't do anything. And then that makes it a feeling that you attach to it. See, I knew it. I wouldn't do this. So now not only do you have a thought, but you're associating a feeling with it. And now you're your SOL. Now you're believing all of that stuff. So when you just say, you know what, I know I don't feel good. I know emotionally it's not okay. Life is not okay right now, but I'm going to get up. I'm going to show up and I'm going to be the best version of myself that I can be today. And you know what? You get that little win. Maybe it's just getting your ass out of bed. Maybe all you do is move it from the bed to the couch. That's all you can do today, but you did something right. And the next day, you get in the shower. (laughs) You know, it's the little wins. And when we can add a win, all those little wins lead up to feeling a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And then the big scary stuff isn't so big and scary anymore. No, I 100% agree with you. And one of the craziest things is that what the action that you're doing doesn't even have to be related to the goal you're trying to accomplish. Like if, if you're thinking like, I can't do this big goal over here, like sometimes even just getting up and like making food or going for a walk, like it just gets you out of that spot. And I remember when I first started realizing that action created motivation instead of waiting for motivation to act, you know, it's, it's easy to fall back on the, I'm not motivated and I do it all the time and I have to pull myself out of that. But it's crazy when you really start thinking that motivation comes from action. It's, in, it's insane to me. No, it's not. And, and, and if you're wait, it's just like, you know, if you're going to sit around and wait for that fairy tale life to plop down in your lap, um, well, have fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's not going to be there. If, if you want to have a different life, it, I don't care what it looks like. It, it, whether it be through work, whether it be personal, I don't care what it is. You've got to move. You've got to do something different. You know, they, it's insanity. Insanity is, is repeating the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Yeah, no, 100%. So your podcast is obviously called The Toxin Terminator, and it deals with the things that we put in our body and, and health. Um, and your network marketing is also health related, correct? Correct. So what was it that led you into health related network marketing and then a health related podcast? Okay. So (laughs) it's really funny because I had this, um, acquaintance that, you know, bothered me every, (laughs) every month. Hey, come to this, you know, this little experience, whatever you want to call it. Right. And I'm like, no, no, no. So a year, a year, I said, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. And finally, I'm like, Tina, if I come to your stupid class, will you leave me alone? <laughs> and she's like, she's like, yes. She, and she did. I promise I'll never ask you again if you just come once. And I said, fine. So I went. And I did, I, I like, I, and it was, it was young living. It was essential oils and, and they were passing around all these oils and, and I'm like, oh, that stinks. <laughs> oh yeah. Girl, I had no idea about essential oils, about toxins, any of that stuff, not anywhere on my radar. Would you say that you were living a healthy life at that point in time or like, did I you thought I was. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, fair enough. 
I was running at that time. I still, I've actually picked running back up again. I'm so excited about that because I, any, another story for another time, but um, I run half marathons. So I was an avid runner. I ran about 20 miles a week, um, felt like I ate pretty good, you know, that type of thing, but oh boy, was I wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll have to have a conversation another time about running because yeah, that's interesting. I need to get a marathon in this year. Well, next year, 2020. But um, so anyways, you're at this, you're, you're smelling these essential oils and you're like, man, that's gross. Like, Like, I know, which I can relate to. I was like, oh, nasty. Who would want to smell this stuff or smell like this, right? It was just like gross. The only one I liked was peppermint. I'm like, oh, I like this one. You know, that smells good, you know? So anyway, talking all kinds of stuff and I'm half listening. I, I, I drug a friend with me. I'm like, if I got to go to this thing, someone's going with me because I'm not going by myself. I'm like, what are you, you know, making of all this anyway. So at the very end, I said, you know, you didn't talk about anything from menopause and I don't sleep and I, and I'm drenched, you know, I wake up in this pile of sweat and she said, well, here, and she, she put some oil on my forearms and I'm like, Okay, whatever, you know, didn't think much of it, left. That night, I slept like a baby, and I did not wake up in a pile of sweat. And I called her the next morning. I said, sign me up. I didn't ask how much, nothing. It was just sign me up. Make sure I get that. And then, and then I just started digging into stuff. I just started learning about because I really honestly felt like that was kind of a hippie culture. That was these people that are out there singing Kumbaya and, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, yeah. Was- when you joined, did you join with the intention of building a business or did you just think I found something that made my life easier and I want to be a part of it? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I, I wanted to use the products. I wanted to learn more. Hey, if it does it for this, what else can I use this for? And so I did start going to classes, but I own businesses. I, I, my life was full. I did not need to add any more stuff on my plate at that time. But after about six months, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. You know, <laughs> hey, daughter-in-law, you know, my daughter-in-law's here. You need to use this. You need to, you know, here's what it does. And fortunately, it was my family. So I could say, here, you know, use this, try this, see what is out. And, and, and once I did start sharing, um, within 90 days, I believe, I had ranked up like four or five levels. It, it just exploded because I just was out sharing and I was helping those people share and, and I grew very, very quickly. So I want to focus on the word that you just said, which is sharing. And I think that this is so important in whatever business anybody that's listening to this has, whether it's network marketing or um, an actual brick and mortar business where you're selling products and services. If you're going out there actually selling your product, you're not going to be successful. If you're going out there sharing the impact that you can make in other people's lives, that's when you're going to be able to expand and grow in whatever business that is. Um, And so I love the word that you said, which was sharing instead of out there trying to get people to buy. Absolutely. And in, and I use everything I learned in the Jiffy Lube world um, in my network marketing, because 
uh, when people come in and I can't speak for other Jiffy Lou's, so please don't call me and you know, whatever. I, I can only speak for the ones that I owned. But what we did is, you know, you come in, we're going to sit and have, have a conversation with you. We're going to talk about how, your driving conditions. And that's the thing. We sat and had a conversation with you. I want to find out how are you driving the vehicle? What, what are, what's your intent with the car? Are you planning on having this for, you know, just the next two years? Are you going to drive it? until it dies on you. You know, what's your intent with the car? And then I'm gonna show you what we found and what the manufacturer recommends with it, but I'm having a conversation with you. And I'm talking to you about, you know, the benefits of doing this and why you would wanna do it. And then, do you wanna do it, right? So many, and, and that, learning that skill set there, I took it into network marketing because it's like, I'm not gonna go say, hey, you know what, Amber, here's, here's some oil called Clarity, and it's going to really help you think clearly. Use it. You don't know. Well, there I even did somewhat of it because I told you what it was for, right? Right. <laughs> you know? But it's, Well, I, I think what really sticks out for me, and that is the idea of education, because I personally know, if you take like nothing about cars, I know less than that. So I, I take my car and just hope that whoever's doing something knows what they're doing. And so the idea of having that, um, and you're laughing at me now, cause I know you've had me in your store in other people, like not me personally, but you've had me's. Um, and so to have somebody sit down and explain, because I consider myself a fairly smart person. Like if you explain to me, I can get it and understand why I'm doing and make a choice. But the way that it stands now, you just go in and you're like, all right, give me whatever you think is best. You don't know anything about me, but yep. tell me what I should do. And I feel like that's how so much business is approached yep. in today's society. Yeah. Absolutely. You are 100% correct. And um, listen, I have seen my fair share of both men and women that know absolutely nothing. And um, I actually like people like you because I want you to understand as much as you want to understand. There are people that are like, no, 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 just do what needs to be done. I, I don't want to learn this. I don't want to know about this. That's why I come to you. If I wanted to learn it, I'd do it myself. Right. Right. So, you know, it's listening through what people are saying, but also through their body language. You know that you're an attorney, you know, you have to watch them. You have to have a conversation with them. And one script, one way of doing things is not going to fit every single person that you're going to come into contact with. And that's the thing that I think so many businesses drop the ball on is they want to treat everything exactly the same and identical, uh, identical in every situation. And you can't. No, you definitely can't. And I think what you just said is so important about understanding what your client wants to know and being able to give them that. One, I don't remember who said it. It's been said multiple times in so many of the different groups that we're in, but the idea that the most successful companies are people who didn't try to sell a product, but they listened to their audience about what they wanted and then they gave it to them. <laughs> we did there were so many things that we did in an innovative way. We, we did workshops where we invited the public in and wanted to hear what makes, what drives you to choose where you go. And we, we, off, we did a lot of things for them. There was so much stuff that we did to learn. 
And that's the thing. People who are successful are listening. We're listening to what our customers are telling us because they're talking to us, whether they're talking to us or not. Yeah, no, 100%. What kind of feedback did you get from other business owners when you started doing that? Did you get any, did you get any kickback from other business owners going, why are you wasting your time with these type of um, workshops or did people not pay attention or did they not care? They cared when they, when the numbers started coming in, you know, when, when we're consistently Amber, our company never had the dips with, the economy. We never did because this is what, I don't care what's going on with the rest of the world. I'm going to take care of my little corner right here. Um, I'm not going to listen. Well, we had bad weather. Well, we had this. No, we can deliver no matter what's going on outside as long as we're providing value and we're exceeding expectations. So known people didn't pay attention until they, they saw this is, this is a franchise that is always up. What are they doing that they keep their numbers, you know, in the quadrants that we want them to be in? So then they are paying attention and then they're coming, you know, in. We had a lot of major players in the organization come in and watch what we were doing. And what was their, what was their response to that? Were they shocked at the innovation or did they kind of see it as, man, we should have thought of this before because they're just people? Could, could have thought of it before, you know, and I can tell you our big claim to fame was that we cared about the customers. We, it, we made it an experience for the customers to come into our service center. Seriously was our claim to fame. It, that instituted the, the five foot rule, which was that if any customer was in five feet of you, you talk to them. You talk to them, you make eye contact, you talk to them. You make them feel that they're appreciated being there. They're not a, a pain in the tail end. Or just uh, a number of somebody that's coming in to give you more money and get their, their car out the, uh, out the shop. Because think about it, in today's world, I don't care if it's a car you know, deal, if it's haircuts, if it's restaurant, you have a million choices of places that you can go for all things that we need, whether you're buying off the internet or going to a brick and mortar place. And so what, it, what is going to differentiate yourself from another place that you're choosing to do business with? Absolutely. And why... The, the appreciation side of that as well is so important to understand that, you know, even if you're the only Jiffy Luber, the only service center in a town, like let's say you live in a small town, you know, people fall into this, oh, well, they have to come to me because I'm the only one. No, they don't. We yeah. had people in our hometown that could drive, you know, 50 miles to get their, their oil changed if that's what they wanted to do. Like there's nothing that says those people have to come to you. And so the appreciation that you have anybody coming in your doors is just as important as the experience. And I, and I used to tell the employees all the time, you know, we created a culture of, we provided a wow experience that developed customers for life. That was our core mission statement. And so, you know, my employees knew that I, you don't get nervous when I walk in the store. You get nervous when the customer walks in the store because they're the ones who are signing your paycheck, not me. 100%. But I'm not the one creating the money to pay you. You know, they are. That's the most important person that, that comes walking in. Absolutely. I love that mentality. I'm interested to kind of move into a little bit of the... Um, 
actually, no, before we do that, I want to give you a chance to talk about your podcast. So what, what was the driving force behind your podcast? I wanted a platform to talk. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It would be a fair reason. I wanted, uh, no, I'm super, super passionate about health and wellness. I, the chronic disease numbers are going the wrong way. They're absolutely going the wrong direction. It's one out of every six adult has a chronic disease. 80% of them have more than one um, chronic disease where, and the numbers are expected to rise. It's just crazy to me because chronic disease is 100% preventable. Um, and it can be reversed as well. So I wanted to give voice to that. I wanted to give voice to that community to let others share uh, their stories of overcoming chronic disease. So that's what mostly I do is sharing stories and um, letting the, letting people have a voice and being able to share that. And then I also bring experts in the industry or leaders in the industry that can come on and talk about a modality or you know, a tool that they can give my listeners that will help them in, in choosing to live a more toxin-free life. I think that that's so important. I hadn't really thought about health a lot um, until recently because I have been um, relatively healthy. And I say relatively because I haven't been hospitalized, haven't had anything like that. But I know that there are things in my diet and in my health that can be better. And it wasn't until Thrive when um, I was listening to Narveen Jane talk about um, disease being optional based upon what we eat and the microbes that we have and paying attention to that. And then in addition to that, the news coming out about pharmaceutical companies, which I always knew was a business and they only make money if you're sick, but actually putting those two things together and realizing that pharmaceutical companies are not designed to keep you healthy really got me to start thinking about like, I may be healthy now, but what's my life going to be like in five, 10, 15 years. And so I think it's really important, the message that you're trying to get across. Thank you. And you know, here's the thing, and I, I do, you know, the toxin terminator, because most people, when they think about a healthy lifestyle, they think about like you, you went directly to what you eat, right? Mm-hmm. So think about what we eat and food absolutely heals. There, there's no doubt about it. It's one, one of the tripods, but we also have movement. We have to move our bodies and we need to do that. And then the third tripod is, is what we're putting in on the body. And, and so that was a, a big thing that I was realizing people aren't equating what I wash my hair with, what I clean my house with, what I do my laundry with, you know, these type of things are not equating that to, hey, that's affecting my overall health. And it is. Yeah, that's interesting because I don't think about those things ever. I mean, the lotion that you put on your hands, you know, people, and this is said to me all the time, and I forget about it until I get into a conversation with somebody like yourself, um, that the skin is our biggest organ and we put stuff on it that we wouldn't swallow and expect it not to get into our, into our body. It's interesting because there's so much emphasis put on research and pharmaceuticals and, and medicine that the alternative side of it Mm -hmm. gets a questionable name. Like you said earlier, the hippie side of it. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and I don't know really where I fall on that, on that line. I know, however, that 
essential oils have made me feel better um, in some situations. And so, and I also know that logically this, what you're talking about makes sense. And I'm interested to see where our culture goes in the future with there being such a heightened awareness of mm -hmm. toxins and health. Well, and I, I believe, I mean, I'm seeing it firsthand in the last, you know, six years that, that people are becoming more and more aware. Amber, I started a new segment on my podcast called First Steps. And so first steps is what I'm doing is I'm bringing somebody onto the podcast that has an issue that they're dealing with, and I'm going to give them one or two at the very most suggestions of things to do for the next 30 days. It takes 10, 15 minutes, be vulnerable, share what it is that you're struggling with. I'm going to give you my recommendations. You're going to do it for 30 days and you come on and, and we record after the 30 days of, of the difference in your life. So you should think about doing that, you know, coming yeah. on the show and, and, and doing that because um, it's going to be a, a great, I, I love it because I don't think there's anybody out there that's doing that, you know? No, but, I don't think that there is either. And we should definitely talk about that for sure. Yeah. And, and um, go ahead. Oh, I'm no, sorry. no, no. Go ahead. I just think that so many people don't realize, um, and this is why I, I do this is, and I, I talk a lot about hidden toxins because there's so many things that we do. You know, you talk about the skin being your biggest organ of your body and, and think about water, just water in, in period. You know, everybody says, oh, well, I, I, I buy bottled water or I have a filter and I, and okay, great. So what you're doing, well, if you're buying bottled water, you're still not getting good water. So let's have another conversation. But um, it's, I guess it's bad. I, I don't even, I can't even say that it's better than tap water, but, um, what we bathe in and shower in, right. You know, we're, we're in that water for 10 minutes. Most people take about a 10 minute shower. Your pores are opened up and you're just taking a 10, a 15 minute shower. is like drinking eight glasses of contaminated water. Oh, wow. I had never thought about that. Yep. So that's it, interesting. It, Right. And that's, those are the kinds of things that I bring to light for people and say, hey, you know, there's options and there's options of what we can do. And it's all baby steps pertaining to what's important to you, you know, what's going on in your life, because not everybody has the same things going on. For me, when I got introduced to this world, it was all about menopause, right? I wanted not to have hot flashes. I wanted to feel like I wasn't going crazy. You know, when your hormones are so out of balance, you don't have any control over your emotions. My husband, I, he'd look at me really funny in the mornings when I woke up. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, it wasn't like a funny, like, ha, ha, ha. you know, it was like a, you know, really staring me down. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm trying to see what Amy is coming out. <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, so that's, it's impacting, if it was impacting him, it was impacting other people that I was involved with and, you know, ah, so much stuff. So that was what was important to me. Well, and it impacts everything that you do, right? Because the way that you wake up in the morning and, you know, whatever Amy's going to come out, we'll just stick with that <laughs> awful phrase, but no, whatever Amy's going to come out, that impacts how you live your day. 
right? Oh. It impacts what motivation you have. It impacts every relationship you have with people. Like I know when I'm driving to work, like I either need to change my mindset or like you can just tell when you wake up and you're in a really shitty mood mm -hmm. and you're like, this is not going to serve me today. And when you're healthy, you can make that shift. When you're not healthy, you're fighting against your body. Right. And I, and I couldn't make the shift as, as hard as I tried. I couldn't control when, when the emotions were hitting, they were hitting and it was not, um, I, there was no control over it. I couldn't talk myself out of it. I couldn't act myself out of it. I couldn't, you know, it was like, uh, it, it, it was not fun, not pleasant at all. Well, I want to, I want to get to the content segment, but I have like, I'm loving this conversation. So I'm going to, this might go a little bit long on the interview, but people will stick around. I hope one of the things that I want to comment on, because I think that it's so important is the medical um, concerns that you have and then how that impacts how you act. And then the third step of that becoming a crutch. And what I'm talking about particularly is, um, for example, I have previously been diagnosed with a thyroid disorder. And for a very long time, that became a, I can't lose weight, I can't do this, I can't do A, B, C, and D because I have. Mm -hmm. um, and I would love to have your input based upon what you're doing with this toxin side of things on making that shift out of, health-related things being a, a um, symptom and not a prevention from you being able to live your life? Okay, first of all, I would say no matter what's going on with you medically, do not own it. Okay, you said I have a thyroid issue. No, you don't. No, you don't. You know, so don't own it. You know, people, if they have a diagnosis of cancer, it's not I have cancer. You know, don't own it because when you own it, it becomes your whole world. And, and there's a lot to be said about mindset and how the words that we choose to use and, and, and how we perceive to, to say things. And, they, and they're very, very powerful. So um, I always say I am walking in perfect health. I am walking. I love it. Health. You know, so um, if, you man if you manifest it here, you're going to manifest it out here in your reality. So whether it be something that's medically going on with you, whether it be something emotionally, you know, whatever it is, if you're manifesting it up here in, inside your head, you're going to manifest it out in the real world. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I agree with that so much. And I bring this up because I know that there are so many people, like I have refused to allow this identity to control. Like I've gotten past that of thinking that this is going to impact how I live my life. But I know there are so many people that rely on a diagnosis and sometimes it's not even physical, um, anxiety, things uh -huh. to that effect. Um, and they allow that to impact how they, how they live. And so I wanted to comment on that and get your input on that because I think that that is an maybe understated side effect of trying to eliminate toxins from your body. I'm trying to follow you. So, so if you say I have this diagnosis of say anxiety and you hold that as a crutch, well, I, I suffer from anxiety. So then that, therefore I can't do. So I guess, um, and I'm no, no, no. And my, my question was not extremely clear. It was very poorly phrased, but, um, whatever symptom you're experiencing, 
Mm-hmm. So let's stick with the anxiety. Those okay. anxious, those anxious feelings could have so many different, so many different causes. And when yes. you start eliminating toxins from your body, you eliminate the causes for some of those anxious feelings, and you can get to the root issue rather than own the identity. Is the point that I'm trying to kind of, I guess, so, bring this around to? Absolutely. So, um, yes, I think number one when we deal with First of all, let me state, I am not anti-medicine at all. I think there's absolutely a time and a place for medicine. And I think that what we can do is very much support our bodies. There are some things that we can do all naturally, all by removing toxins from our life, eating the right foods, doing the right lifestyle changes. And sometimes still we need to have some medication. And, and um, you know, early on in my life, I didn't believe that in my toxin-free journey. And so if I had to rely upon medicine, I felt somehow like I was a failure. Like I wasn't, my body wasn't, you know, doing all the things that I was supporting it to do. And, and I, and it was a really good lesson for me to learn. But secondly, what I would say is think about this. When you get nervous, when you get really, really nervous, what happens to you physically? Um, heart races, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes some shaky sweats. Okay. Do you feel like you're going to throw up? uneasy stomach, you know, butterflies. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. So think about anxiety. So our gut is very much related to our emotions and what's going on in our head. There is a a vagus nerve that runs between the two and there are signals always going back and forth more from the gut up to the brain. We used to think that it was always the brain going downward, you know, to the rest of the body, but it's not. Um, you know, science is so amazing. But anyway, so anxiety, you can very much treat anxiety, most anxieties with the foods that you're eating and, and getting into good gut health. Um, so when anybody comes to me with, hey, I'm, I've got this situation going on, this situation, whatever it is, the first thing I'm going to ask is, how are you pooping? <laughs> You know, and they're like, look at me, what's poop got to do with it? Well, poop, you know, how you excrete is, is, how, is an indication of your gut health. And your gut health is, is the overall determining factor of so many other things in your body. So absolutely removing toxins. There's so many things that, that um, inflame the gut and cause so many issues with our emotions. Um, our gut can cause so many physical Um, side effects as well. We get into that toxic overload. If we've got gas and we're bloated and um, we have diarrhea or we're constipated or we've got skin issues, we're tired, um, lethargic, we just can't think clearly. These are all symptoms of toxic overload. So So interesting. So go ahead and tell everybody really quickly where they can find your podcast if they want to learn more about this. You bet. So my website is the best place to go, which is just my name, um, Amy, A-I-M-E-E, Carlson.com. And from there, you can go to my YouTube channel, my podcast. You can connect with me. There's a way to email me there. If you want to set up a a link to do a one-on-one chat with me, that's right in my um, website. So I always drive people to my website. And then I also have a Facebook group, um, The Toxin of... 
gosh, I'm going to probably say this the wrong way. The toxin-free lifestyle is what the page, uh, the group is. And so this is a community I'm just starting uh, to really come in. I do some one-on-one um, -on -one coaching and some live coaching in the page and um, really talk to people and uh, about a toxin-free lifestyle. It's, it's all about that. Awesome. If you want to send me over those links, I'll throw them in the show notes as well for you. Um, so the, we talked about so much today between um, failure and leadership. Um, one of the things that I always ask everybody is your definition of success. I think it's important to define your own definition of success. So what does success mean to you now and how has that changed throughout your life? Mm, oh, that's such a great question. Early on in life, success to me was all material things and money. If you asked me when I was in my 20s and even in my 30s, um, and this was you know, pre-marriage days, it's like, I don't need a man. I am going to provide for myself. And, you know, and, and my idea of being successful was not having to live paycheck to paycheck and being able to do all those things that I wanted to be able to do. Um, without worry of money and having the home that I wanted for myself and my son and, you know, those types of things. That's, that's really defined my success back at that time. Today, success to me looks like how many lives have I touched? How many lives have I touched and impacted in so many different ways? whether it be through the, the, uh, the, the toxin-free lifestyle, whether it be through leadership, um, entrepreneurship, whether it's helping women. I was a young teenage mom, you know, helping women who are going through the same circumstance, you know, emotional. There's so many things you just learn in life and, and, and being able to give back. That's what life to me is about today is being able to give back in, in, in succeeding is being able to touch lives and make it so cool. And I, and I love seeing that trajectory too, from this is what I need to be successful and having it monetarily and then having impact come in. Um, as far as fulfillment is concerned, do you, so many talk, so many people talk about success and fulfillment, and I think that they use those words interchangeably a lot. Do you think that there is a difference between success and fulfillment? And if so, what's that difference to you? Ooh, that's another good question. So success to me, oh, no, I think fulfillment is really different. I just described what success was, but fulfillment to me is how I'm enjoying my everyday life. That's fulfillment to me is, um, you know, am I prioritizing my relationships and uh, am I honoring those relationships? Am I, um, am I doing the things that I enjoy? Am I, you know, making a difference? You know, am I, adding value to other people that are in my friendship circle. So fulfillment to me becomes way more personal um, in, in, in more of an everyday life type of thing that, that but my, and, and, you know, fulfillment to me is learning what God's purpose for me on this earth is to be totally fulfilled. I need to know that I am, striving and reaching to fulfill that, that purpose. That's amazing. And, and that's an explanation that I haven't 
heard put like that before. And I, I really think that that will resonate with a lot of people. So thank you for that. We talked a lot about failure. We talked about comfort zones and how um, you had to step out of those. Um, what I'd like to do before we end is just do a quick random round and let everybody get to know you a little bit. Are you okay with that? I'm good with that. Fire awesome. away. Fire away. All right. We'll start off easy. What profession other than your own do you think would be fun to attempt? Oh, golly jeepers. Um, professional speaker. Okay. Are you, are you planning on trying, do you want to speak? Are you planning on trying to speak in relation to your podcast and getting on stages or have you not thought about that? Well, I have not thought about it because um, professionally speaking terrifies me. Um, however, I, I have it told to me more times than not that I should be speaking. So it's now becoming something that I'm, I'm looking at. I um, am going to join the more times than not people and tell you that you need to be on a stage. I think you'd be fantastic. Thank you. Um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? Into the future. I would go into the future. Um, I've already lived the past and I don't, the past has always gotten me to, it's, it's who I am today, but I, but I certainly don't want to go back and, and live it again. So I, I would go into the future because I can envision what my future looks like. I can feel it, taste it, smell it, sense it in every sense of the word. But to be able to, to time travel and hop in there would be glorious. That's, that's amazing. What, we touched on this a little bit, but what personality trait do you think has been most helpful throughout your life? Stepping into fear. When you are reading books, do you like to listen to them? read them electronically, like on a Kindle, or do you need the hard book in your hand? I got to have the hard book in my hand. <laughs> you I, and me both. I have tried, you know, if I turn this, you can see some of my stuff. And I got a huge library in my bedroom because that's where I do most of my reading. Um, I got a little nook that I, I sit in, but I need to have it in my hands. I've tried so many times to listen, um, and Kindle, no, I don't, no, I, I want to, there's something about turning the pages and I just like that. You and me both. All right. So this next question, the more that I, oh, go ahead. Let me see. Let me get one. A person suggested this to me because, you know, sometimes we can have way too many books if you're an avid reader like I am. So here's a helpful suggestion to people who like hard copies of books. Take your book write in it somewhere in the book, something that was really meaningful to you and pass it on. Oh, well that leads right into my next question. Um, I, the more that I read, the more I realize how difficult this question is. But if you are talking to somebody and you only have time to tell them one book that you think is going to change their life, what book is that for you? The Bible. Okay. Do you have a morning routine? And if so, go ahead and give us a glimpse of that. I, <laughs> well, I, I'm retired, officially retired. Yes. <laughs> officially retired looks like. So I don't have a set time that I wake up in the morning, but when I wake up, I go immediately into, um, I have a daily meditation book that are, um, yeah, me, you know, meditation book that I read through and um, I journal 
and I just take some time. I take about the first 30 minutes. I do not open up any electronics until I've gone through that. And that just helps set the tone for my day that I can spend some time in God's word and in quiet, you know, conversation with him. And it just helps me. Love it. I know we talked about your podcast. We talked about your Facebook group. Go ahead. What is another place on social media? If there is one that people can connect with you, where's the best place to connect? Instagram. Um, you know, connect with me on Instagram. It's Amy Carlson six. Don't ask me why the six is on there, but I think Amy Carlson was taken. So <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you coming on and, um, getting so, um, personal with, um, your journey and your toxin terminator. I'm super excited to see where that goes in the future. Thanks, Amber. You've been an absolute joy and you're such a gracious host. You've made it so easy to share. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.